Hey everybody, welcome back to episode 20 of the Combat Chain. I am your host Patrick Shaw, and with me as always is my co-host Adam Philipchuk. Adam, how are you doing on this Canada Day weekend? Hey, Canada Day, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing great, Pat. Uh, It's good to be here. Been playing lots of flesh and blood, uh, enjoying the new uprising stuff, jamming some games, uh, mostly games with Fi right now. Uh, but eyeing up Icelander as well. Uh, I did, I bit the bullet and I bought the fable. Did it. You got the, what is blood of the Drakai? Is that what blood it is? Blood of the Drakai. Uh, How do you, how do you like it? How do you like it? Does I, it play well? Is it in Fi? I I think so. I hope so. Um, I haven't been getting TTS games in, so I haven't had a chance to really play around with it in paper yet either. Yeah. Like, uh, so I'm I'm in part like I I do think it's going. Just looking at it, how can it not be somewhat? The ceiling's ceiling's pretty high on it. I'd say that. I want to live. I want to live in a world where I can pitch a blood of the Drakai and a triple tome on one turn. That is, that is the Christmas land dream for Tome of Firebrand. Yes, Tome of Firebrand. Yep. So not only do I have to attack with four draconic attacks, I have to have. Both the gem and uh, a tome available to pitch uh, and do that. I guess I could pitch the gem for the fourth attack and maybe hit a mask trigger because my opponent misplayed terribly and let me drew into a tome and start the the prism-esque cascade of hellfire, perhaps. But that that is uh, it. That is hype dream uh stuff i'm uh uh very happy for your for your purchase there yeah i i mean i was gonna say it the the purchase was motivated in part just by the the desire to want to collect the full set um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the the price was right uh 250 canadian i think it's what 210 roughly on tcg player as last i saw uh i paid 250 canadian um mm-hmm which is somewhere around there uh, in USD, and it's being hand-delivered. Ooh, spicy. (laughs) By a friend. Yeah, uh, no, it's, uh, things are good. How are you, Pat? I am, I am good, I'm good. It is uh, 4th of July weekend, the fireworks are already happening, so if you hear some little pops in the background, my, uh, I am very close to the downtown area of my town where all the partying happens and it's uh the night before the 4th of July is a big party night so you can usually hear them going off till you know till late um but I've been uh I've been doing good I just got my first case of uprising today we Yeah, went you live. had a spicy case. 
That was a good. That was a good case. That was a good case. Topped it off with a cold foil crown of Providence. Uh, it was a triple legendary case. I also opened up the Coronet Peak in the Alluvian Const- Constellus. I think that's uh, right. As well, as well as a cold foil quelling robe and heat wave, cold foil ooh, uh, and conduit fro- of frostburn, a cold foil frost hex, and two marvel dragons, uh, Mirag- Miragi, Maragi, Miragi, Miragi, and Yendurai. Yendurai? Sure. We're going to go with those. I, but I think, Yeah, I think that's right. The other one. That is a pretty solid handful of uh, cold foils and and marvels. Uh, that also included an extended art flame call awakening, and I don't know, felt like two dozen majestics across the board. It was it was pretty good. So uh, my my original case was supposed to be here yesterday, but uh, just shipping delays just long enough for it to push it now it's scheduled till wednesday and i did not want to wait so i went to my local game store and uh i did trade in some cards to help with the cost um so i said goodbye to an extra carrion husk that i had uh, a foil enlightened strike and a cold foil pulse of Volthaven helped helped uh, pay for some of the case here not um not, not bad at all no, no, I think it, I, it was pretty good. I also had some store credit on there and some cash on hand, so I took off, uh, took off about half, and then put the other half on, uh, on my credit card there. So uh, that's uh, that's it for the case. Uh, I have been kind of neck deep in flesh and blood as well. I so I don't, I'm not going to have a road to nationals uh, this season. It just uh, we touched on it briefly couple episodes ago but just scheduling wise it's just not happening um so the only way that i'm gonna get in is if i can make the 90 day cutoff for xp so i have been on the grind as much as i can uh with online and local armories and uh, i started at uh 132 xp and i was like i don't know 2000 and something uh at the moment uh i have 175 xp it keeps fluctuating because i'm right on the i feel like a tidal wave of of like 90 day clear out is happening uh so some of my xp is like right on that 90th day so every day it's a little exciting to whether or not I can, you know, keep up in ahead of where I am. So uh, actually yesterday I was at 181 uh, and this morning or tonight right now I'm at 175. Uh, but that puts me at uh, it is 900 and something in the global and I am 331 in the U.S. And if I remember correctly, the U.S. Nats xp qualifiers went all the way through the top 366 players because it all whoever was top 100 that was already qualified they just kept extending down until all the slots were filled so i actually think i'm in a pretty good spot if we're being honest um i was trying to shoot for four events 
a week. Um, three of them online being uh, Monday nights online, uh, Thursday nights online, Friday nights online, and then I got a Sunday local armory that I've been going to uh, pretty regularly. So for the first first couple weeks, they uh, it was going real smooth. Um, one of the things I stopped doing was stopped uh, screwing around a little bit with my deck choices, uh, and and started doing either top of the meta or the deliberate meta calls, depending on how I knew the players were gonna gonna be. So for Blitz, I've I've mained Reinar for a lot of my Blitz armories, uh, and uh, for CC, uh, it's been a little bit of a mix, but I've been switching between Katsu and Dory, and um, I've actually been able to get my win rate over the last three weeks or so up past past 50 percent i'm uh, i've been able to manage kind of a three win per armory and that's been kind of like my goal here uh but i've been able to maintain for the most part three wins per armory uh over the last few weeks and like i said i've gone up i'm i started at 132 and 175 right now in the last couple weeks uh the monday armory hasn't fired off uh a couple weeks in a row and that's kind of hurt my projections a little bit so looking at you max you gotta <laughs> you get the fighters guild fired up here because someone's gonna get his xp in um but uh yeah so i i actually feel like i'm in an okay spot uh yeah it sure sounds like it my math had me at uh hovering around 300 total xp by the time of the cutoff um, which I don't think would make global top 100. I, it depends really on like the day uh, and who's you know who's got what and who was grinding and how many people decide to really really go for it. Um, 400 is really you know, the safe spot there. So I am hinging on 90 day XP getting for US uh, getting me getting me there. So as long as I stay pretty consistent. I feel like I'm in a good spot, uh, even if uh, a couple couple armories don't fire every week. Um, then I still think I'll be in a pretty good good spot. And talking with my peers and everything, it's it does seem like like it's consistency over time more than anything else. Like as long as you're going, participating, and putting up you know respectable numbers, uh, you know the XP comes and you get to where you you know where you want to be. So looking forward to you know kind of playing it out um the, i'll tell you what the big the big thing for me now is now that i've got some cards in front of me uh from uprising uh i'm gonna i have i am notorious for trying to make ninjas work at the beginning of a new meta and then waiting too long to switch out <laughs> and, and do something a little more serious so we'll see if uh if i can take take me uh where i want to go here i think i think phi is a good choice to to start things like for especially for armories i think it's in a it's in a pretty good spot i my katsu deck is in a very good spot i haven't uh, i don't have enough to do the upgrades that i have for upright like to add in for uprising but it really is kind of like it's like double strike and take the tempo and not much else other than uh, some defense reactions, but it, my core stays the same. I haven't tested a ton of it into into the new stuff, but um, I do think Katsu's in kind of a good good spot there. And hashtag spoiler, 
I'm going to have a deck guide out soon here. It is being edited, not as we speak, because we're recording the podcast, but I am editing down uh, an in-depth guide on my Katsu deck. Uh, I have tuned it over time, and it is my baby. It is my pet deck. It hasn't been... Like I said, it hasn't been top tier, but I've been, especially these days, I've been able to kind of bring it out and, you know, it handles itself very well. So uh, I'm going to be putting some together for that. And that should be out as soon as I get it finished, <laughs> as soon as I get the editing finished for it. Uh, we'll and have I, it out I just here. want to highlight something there quickly, Pat. You say it hasn't been top tier. Something I think really crucial to bear in mind for why katsu maybe hasn't been topped here for the last little bit is as katsu is so dependent on hit triggers uh mm-hmm. you know his katsu ability um I, I i i am gonna say whelming gust wave but i i feel like maybe there's gonna be a shift away from the the whelming gust wave surging strike line mask is another really crucial one and mm-hmm. When Chain came into the scene and Monarch uh, dropped, Carrion Hus coming out made it so easy for Chain to to push Katsu out of the meta. And now that Chain's gone, um, that premier aggro strategy's out, plus um, a premier aggro strategy that can just block so well and, and shut down a deck like Katsu... There, there's actually room in the meta for Katsu to shine again, and I think that's a that's a reason why Katsu's a great place to explore right now. Um, not only mm-hmm. does he have uh, room in the meta, he's got some new toys like Shuko, uh, Double Strike, yeah. and Take the Tempo. Um, mm-hmm. And I imagine a lot of that's also in your deck tech. It is. It is. It was started pre-uprising, so we'll uh, we'll have some footnotes towards the end about what to do uh, with some of the new cards. Uh, but it, it is going to be a core of uh, up up through Everfest, uh, and like we just said, not a whole lot changes with uprising. Uh, but you know, with double double strike added into Katsu, really gives it a much wider chain to start threatening mask multiple times a turn in some instances and that's going to be kind of a spicy thing to it uh it's funny though i'll I'll wait for the wait for the video to come out i I do have a slightly different take on katsu's on hit triggers and how it you know my deck is built around uh subverting that expectation i'll say uh so uh you know stay tuned for that that's coming out uh fairly soon here i did want to talk about so this isn't necessarily flesh and blood related, but it is it's 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 dad related. And we we got we got some fab dads out there. We got some fab parents that listen to the pods. So I thought thought people might appreciate just, you know, some little tidbits about about my week, the life in the Shaws here. Um, so. Monday, I get uh, I get a text message from from. Mrs. Smashgood. And uh, it is a, it is an image and it is an image of my TV in the living room with uh, black bars running down the middle of the television and the message, the bad thing happened. And uh, a quick call confirms that my 
my rambunctious four-year-old decided to kind of chuck some stuff around and shrapnel hit the TV and took it out. So I got a, I got a 65 inch TV, you know, wall mounted, very proud of it. You know, it's, it's, it's a good TV. Um, but it is, it is, it is essentially destroyed, still turns on, but you know, it's got the, it's got the lines down the middle. It's all blacked out down the middle where he hit it. Uh, and it's lines running across the screen. And, uh, so that that happened and that was that was the worst thing that happened that day until uh we get into the car to do some errands after I get home from work and my oldest calls Mrs. Smashgood while we're uh you know backing out of the driveway and she is in hysterics and uh she tells us that she just got into a car accident Oh no. Uh she is okay. She is she is 100% fine. Um but she apparently was in in traffic on the highway and a delivery driver in a small box truck a couple cars behind her got a leg cramp and jammed down on the accelerator because of the cramp and forced two cars into her like the two cars back and then the box truck the uh, box truck rams into cars one and two uh you know car two kind of mushes out of the way and then the car behind it ends up hitting her as well and uh, she bumped into the front car and messed up messed up her vehicle so we we ended up picking her up it was raining it was pouring rain that day i was like oh god this is a terrible time um we were where i was speeding i did not care i almost i almost jumped the curb when we got to close to the highway i was like where is she where is she where is she where is she um but we get there they'd already towed the towed the car away and so we picked her up the police and fire were still waiting for her on the side of the highway we pulled over and and grabbed her and uh we uh we we just got um so that was that was that was monday right so the tv and the car go on monday the assessors look at the car and they're pretty sure it's totaled um and you know it's 2022 in america we're still trying to figure out what all that means and what that means for her she's a very busy young lady she goes to uh she 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 works and and does uh she does elite cheer as her thing that's her thing and you know we used to drive her all over the place and now she was old enough to drive we got her in the car um so now we're trying to figure out how how life goes on here uh we got the tv thing squared away that one was the easy thing what we're not doing is getting an expensive tv because my kids can just throw another thing at it and i'd rather not (laughs) you know i want something small enough where the warranty doesn't matter (laughs) Good, yeah, reasonable idea, yeah, totally. But the car, the car thing's another another matter altogether. We're trying to figure out how how that all works, and there, you know, the 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 at the driver was at fault. It was with a company that they were doing the delivery for, and the company was actually as it is a large company, um, but they have been very helpful. Uh, but um, yeah, it is very. Uh, you know, it's it's a it's it's not a great time to buy a car in America right now. No. It is just 
not uh, not a great place to be. So, uh, you know, got to make sure she's driving something safe. Uh, so we're kind of weighing our options right there. Um, but, yeah, it all happens at once. And that it, it never happens in a convenient time. So, you know, to all the uh, all the fab dads out there, there's uh, there's just a snapshot of of my week there that I think you thought you might appreciate. Jeez, that's uh, well, I'm, when it rains, it pours. I'm sorry to hear that, yeah. Pat. Yeah, it certainly does. But I did get the cold foil crown of crown of providence. So you know. Win some, lose some. Yeah, that's uh, silver linings, at least. Yeah, you're totally right. But, all right, that is enough of that. Let's move on to talking about the news. Uh, we did have some events uh, over the la- since our last episode. We've had, uh, uh, we've had a couple things go down. Uh, our Road to National season started, and the Realm Games in Ohio held their 10K, which is that... Uh, it is a community organized event. It is not. It was not a LSS run event. It was supported by LSS. Uh, they they gave it the thumbs up, but it was not a you know it was not a road to nationals. It was not a pro tour qualifier of some kind. Um, but you know it, they usually have these. These have been popping up with flesh and blood more and more. These one k five k. You know, this is the first 10K that we've heard, and it attracted uh, a myriad of people, uh, high-profile Flesh and Blood players, to come and compete. Uh, and that included uh, Dalen Max, uh, Travis McDaniels. Um, we had uh, Brendan Patrick, who actually transitioned to casting uh, the 10K. Um in sh- after short notice, Tannen Grace was supposed to cast, and something happened with Tannen, so Brendan uh, filled in. It was also casted by friend of the pod uh, Matt DeMarco, uh, the featured caster there, as long as well as uh, Charmer. Uh, there, the between the three of them, they casted the weekend. Uh, it was the unique thing about this tournament was that it was in its own unique tiny meta. Uh, it yeah. was uh it was taken after it was start it was after uh the abandoned suspended announcement on the 24th so living legend was in effect so no starvo no chain but due to circumstances outside their control the delayed shipment and thus US release of uprising from the 24th to the week following the 1st Uprising was no longer legal in the CC tournament. So you had the solely unique uh, tournament that had both the Living Legend and no Uprising. So you had, you know, what I've dubbed the pocket meta, right? You had seven days of just this, uh, you know, one time only. We saw some interesting, super interesting decks show up for that pocket meta too. Like I think. Sure did. Like Crown of Seeds, Corsham Briar is what took it overall. Everything else, yeah. Uh, Naib Mobasir, uh, apologize if I'm not saying your name correctly, uh, did take the tournament, uh, winning the finals against Prism, piloted by Travis McDaniels. And Naib is is running a Briar list that has 
My favorite card, Belittle, with a uh, <laughs> little minimalism combination. But it was also having, it did have a Crown of Seeds as its headpiece. Uh, it ran Corsham, Crossroad of Elements, and uh, Eye of Aphidia, as well as uh, a, a heavy, a heavy reliance on Earth and Earth Fuse cards, uh, as shown with Rites of Replenishment, Explosive Growth, as well as your standard uh, Channel Mount Heroic. It ran the So Tomorrows. It even put in some Sting of Sorceries. Um, just a lot of things in there that won a Singleton Rattlebones, which won him his semifinals match when he uh, blocked Oldham uh, with three cards. Uh, yeah, I think he had three card block and he had a Rattlebones and Arsenal that no one no one who didn't see the deck list knew knew was even there uh pitched to play rattlebones and fetched fetched a red vexing malice uh and played that and oldham could not block enough arcane uh to to stop him and that's how he ended up winning uh his top 4 match with a rattlebones and briar craziness it's spicy um, stuff for sure it is. It's definitely spicy. Uh, it is super controversial. If you talk to, you know, the uh, the people who decide what what cards are optimal and what not, or in what cards are not, this is a terrible deck. Uh, but to them, I say, it won. <laughs> so how terrible can it be? Rounding out the top eight, we had Jesse Kennan on Runeblade as well in a much more familiar looking list uh complete with uh nimbleisms revels and rune bloods uh a couple coaxes you know the usual suspects there uh yanji lee on viscerai rune blood made top eight losing in the top eight to oldham but he went i believe he was top seed coming out of the swiss uh and and was top seed in the top eight there i've said top way too many times but uh his list was uh you know kind of reinvigorated some enthusiasm here for viscerai uh some unique additions to his list uh a two of of last ditch effort in blue uh which i'm still kind of humming about uh running the arc knight shard uh a singleton remembrance presumably for those uh longer matchups to try and uh, withstand fatigue and uh, a two of drawn to the dark dimension red uh, are some highlights in in Yanji's viscerai list. Arknight shard is one I have always struggled to see the value in. It is is definitely interesting. Uh, you got to wonder if there's all right. That, it, it's 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 bad when it whiffs for something, right? If you Sonata, if you do something, you need a non-attack action and you have Arknight Shard, you're not in a very good place. Oh, exactly. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, obviously he found a way to make it work. Um, me being the peasant I am with zero fables to this point uh, might go with either making a two of, a three of of something. Um or a he does run a singleton tome of the Arknight, which I might pop up to two if I were to shamelessly net deck him uh, and try to find a substitute for the Arknight shard. I'd probably do something like that. Um, we do have, in addition to uh, those players, Dakota Hawks, Ryan Rich, and Charles Dunn 
all running Oldham, so three Oldhams in the top eight. Um, these were uh, more aggressive tilted Oldhams, uh, notable for running. No, no, no. That one was it. Was it just Charles Dunn? It was. Uh, yeah. Uh, so these Oldhams were kind of very aggro leaning, uh, multiple pummels in the main board. Uh, a lot of your uh, three ofs of enlightened strike, zealous belting, things that you you saw kind of towards the end of the tails meta. Um, and uh, Charles Dunn's list in particular ran all nine pummels uh, that he could uh, ran Arcanite Skullcap instead of Crown of Seeds, and um, really just just went for it. And just that, full send. Oh, it is gross to watch. Um, but uh, focusing on f- things like Frost Fangs and Icy Encounters, which are still pummel pummelable uh, ca- <laughs> attack actions, right? Pummel targets. <laughs> actions. That are legal targets of pummel, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but especially the uh, frost fangs in uh, in red and blue uh, as pummel targets can be quite uh, devastating if your opponent's not ready for it. Frost fangs on hit uh, says uh, discard or pay two. Um, I believe, and I think that scales to the color. I may be wrong on that, but I, I can't pop no, it up. No, I think it's just the power that scales to the color, and the pay two is. Regardless. It's constantly, yep. So, so discard or pay two on hit. If you stack a pummel on there, you're getting rid of at least two cards uh, from their hand, unless, like I said, unless they've they've weirdly pitched in a way that allows them to float two defensively, which isn't unheard of. Uh, rounding out the top eight there, we have Justin Price and Travis McDaniel on Prism Sculptor of Arclight. And, of course, Travis uh, McDaniel in the finals against Naib uh, running Prism and uh, ultimately not being able to uh, to seal the deal uh, there. But very uh, definitely an interesting, uh, interesting event. Uh, how do you feel about that? That top eight that we'll never see again. A couple briars, couple oldums, couple prisms, with a rune, with with a viscerai to round it out. You know what? I'm not. None of it surprises me. Uh, I think that was all the, for the most part, the usual suspects. Um, I think mm-hmm. how the flavor of some of those heroes is what surprised me more than anything. Like I come back to yeah. the the winning list a. Corsham crown of seeds briar like that is mm-hmm. that is something else i so after that event uh you know that was streaming and i was watching it live and i was actually at like a i was at a family function outside <laughs> next to a pool refusing to go into the water and watching my cell phone and <laughs> much the chagrin of most of my family and friends around me until they approach me and go, what are you doing? I'm watching Flesh and Blood. Um, but I watched I watched the top four, uh, and I was super impressed with Briar, so much so that uh, I, I've, I've done some testing with Briar with Crown of Seeds at the helm, and just, you know, my, my usual Briar list. And you know what? 
it's pretty friggin' good. I'm not going to lie. It is real good, uh, especially in the right matchups. Uh, I think I think it belongs. I think it belongs in there, uh, especially coming into Uprising. I think, I think everyone kind of expected Crown of Providence to take the place of Arcanite Skullcap now that you got a uh, you know a headpiece that does something for you but crown of seeds has been there the whole time and it works that one that one helps so much the ability to cycle offensively you know it gives you a reason to run tunic uh i've always been i've been an aether iron weave guy through and through uh but this the running crown of seeds makes me want to use tunic using the tunic resource to activate crown aggressively it's just, oh, it's all the things. It does, it does a lot for you. I, I can see, I can see the utility with it. Like I can see, uh, helping with breakpoints, um, mm-hmm. and cycling. You know, now you don't care what you put in your arsenal because you can cycle it away, draw a card. Like there, there's a lot of mm-hmm. yeah. There's you know, find those channel mount heroics, um, which really is, uh priors win condition find those that much quicker um yeah i i can totally see i can see the 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 use for it i have um i have supreme confidence in crown of seeds in uh in aggro matchups uh you have to worry less about embodiment of earth being created when you can still get one and get a you know, save yourself, uh, you know, a three block is still a four block. If you, if you get your crown off or uh, if you can, you know, if you can activate crown of seeds, um, it does, it lets you see, see it more, uh, see more cards so that you can get to channel faster. Um, I like it in the aggro, especially against the ninjas. Uh, it prevents a Phoenix flame from doing something silly. And, uh sure you're spending a resource uh trying you know cycling through but you're not you're not blo- you know you're not putting a three block down to stop a one for a mask trigger or something like that it allows you to uh easily prevent that damage without much consequence to it and likewise with uh with katsu and the kadachi for the same reason that oldham is kind of a bear against katsu because you know they could crown and uh, and Ram's head, uh, Briar can crown against uh, Kadachi and just makes uh, Katsu's life a little more difficult. Um, so you know, it's it's not fun. I I just happened. I I actually I ran a few games with it and I fell in love with it. So what I'm still trying to figure out is whether or not I take it out. I'm very wary of the Kano matchup. Um, as long as I'm not sure it replaces Crown of Dichotomy in the Wizard matchup, uh, specifically Kano. I think I'm okay with it replacing Crown of Dichotomy. There's, so too, there's too many crowns. Replacing <laughs> <laughs> Crown for uh, Crown, and then I could get Yeah, I'm going to replace Crown for Crown, and then in you know when I need block, I'll just put the other Crown in there. Um, but, uh, you know, Arcane Barrier versus One Prevention, when does that become better or worse can i you know am i okay with pitching a card and floating two preventing one and i can still or if i do that i'm still essentially readying myself for ab3 but the circumstances around having to do it as an instant etc etc 
um, can kind of open itself up to, you know, to wizardy instant things uh, a little more than, you know, just your traditional arcane barriers. So I do have to test that matchup a little more. Um, but yeah, so that was uh, definitely interesting. And I do think that it, it it was kind of a jump start for some of these, you know, old guard heroes into the new meta. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if, if any of these builds kind of carry, you know, carry their weight here moving forward. Um, but it was a very successful weekend. Uh, the second day was supposed to be, uh, I forget what the format was supposed to be intended to be. It was supposed to be team blitz and then they switched it yes. to uprising team sealed. Yes. So they did uprising team sealed. Uh, there and I do believe that Brendan Patrick's team won the team sealed, uh, and it was himself, Michael Fang, and uh, Yanji Lee, I think, uh, as the team to take it. That's correct. Um, and we had touched on the you know the idea of team sealed and how potentially broken that could be if you if you open enough cards and have a big enough pool. Uh, and are able to divvy out the heroes like that. So, uh, wasn't able. I did not watch the the team sealed event, but I heard that that was a, a very fun time. Uh, I'd definitely be interested in see what that looks like uh, to and do it on you know on my own and be able to do that with a couple guys. That seems like it would be a, a super fun time. Oh yeah, team sealed's a blast. I've had the chance to do it a few times now, and. Uh... Yeah, no, it's always such, such. You gotta have like, so you have to have the right like. You have so many cards. You, it it must be super tough to build a a bad deck at that point. Yeah, because you can build to different strengths and just around. You you have such a yeah diverse pool that they you just spread out the power cards for each different kind of build in. And yeah, it it works out pretty good. Yeah, no, it sounds like a blast. I feel like I would be okay, more okay with playing Icelander if I could do it in Team Sealed and take everybody's blue ice cards instead of settling. Yeah, then you see some really potent ice. You see some really potent decks for like uh, each yeah, hero. Right. Like almost, it beca- they become constructed like decks. Budget. Yeah, right. Like budget blitz uh, decks at that point. Um. Yeah, so that that was uh that was the first event. Um we also had uh you know, we're we're actually coming out of week 1 of Road to Nationals. So a couple Road to Nationals have have already happened throughout the world. Um and we do want to highlight a couple of them. Uh we want to shout out uh Andrea Biaggi uh aka Capolo who won his Road to Nationals. Uh, in the draft format. Go Capolo, yeah, woo. Go Cap. Um, it's uh, you know that's it's a well earned, well deserved win. Uh, he's he's a hell of a guy. I was able to team up with him in New Jersey, uh, for a Team Blitz event. Uh, very fun. He is uh, he's got a very deliberate style about him when he's playing his dash and he boosts and he's got his accent there and it's just like it's just a it's just a fun time um but uh but yeah good job cap 
and uh, you know, go. I uh, uh, still need to figure out when nationals is, so we can, you know, we know we know when that is and where it is, so we can root for you there. Um, but uh, no, on top of you too, there, Pat. Yeah, right. Hey, well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what we can do here. It is. It is the third. I got twenty. 21 days left of, of grinding. Um, but yeah, so uh, Cap wins his draft road to Nationals, and we have Hayden Dale, uh, a little-known player uh, from, the, uh, uh, from the Australian side of the world. Uh, he won uh, a, cons- a classic instructed road to Nationals event on... Viscerai. Did he now? He did. And uh, he posted his deck list. He he laid out all of his cards and took a picture of his deck. And wouldn't you know, what, what, what card do you think may have stuck out the most in Hayden Dale's Viscerai list? Uh, he had access to Uprising, so Sift. Uh, Sift Sift was in the list, um, but a uh, little older card, uh, not traditionally seen in Viscerai. Uh, his the uh, the illustration is that of a tiny man holding an axe. <laughs> the little minimalism. The little minimalism. He was running. Six belittles, uh, three reds and three yellows, and he was also running. How many? He was running. He was running two blue sifts. Uh, he was running three yellow belittles as well as yes, three yellows and three reds. Uh, three red minimisms, and where are they? And one blue minimism. Uh, so four, six belittles, four minimisms. Oh, interesting though that he's leaning more on the 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 pump side of minimism, not the resource side of it. Ah, uh, yes, yep, yeah, no, very much so. Um, and you know what? That seems to be a common thread, at least in. Uh, I know Chain liked to use the blue and was super. I Chain was always kind of resource hungry, uh, and really liked those blues. It made use of the reds, um, uh, but you know, still ran its full suite of blue minimisms. And then I believe it was usually either two, you know, uh, usually two reds. Uh, I believe that came with it. Um, but uh, both Briar lately, even before the 10K. Uh, Briar has been doing a lot of experimenting with uh, Belittle, and you see a lot more Belittles in, in Minimisms in their lists. Uh, and those are also uh, three red to one Minimism, uh, but usually just the red Belittles. So the yellow Belittles, in addition, are are a pretty spicy uh, add-on here to, to the list. Um, he also is running uh, three of Command and Conquer, uh, something you actually don't see a ton of lately. 
there are three red vexing malices to go with the uh, three blues that are usually seen in there, uh, and uh, the rainbow full set of mauve skies for uh, you know for the prerequisite uh, rune blade go again attacks. Uh, but uh, congratulations to Hayden Dale. Uh, taking taking a road to nationals uh, with Viserai. Uh, I know a lot of people perked up almost immediately as soon as he posted that on Twitter. Uh, it you could you could feel kind of the groundswell of you know engagement on his list and the fact that uh, Belittle was so prominently featured uh, in the list. Um, I know I've been. I, I, I am on the record as disliking both belittle and minimalism. Belittle, it's just a good card. It's it's card advantage. It's resources it when you need it. It's uh, a pump when oh, you need it, like an on attack action when you need it in in Runeblade, and it's so many oh. good things. It is. It is. It is so good that I think it's a problem. Is what I think. Uh, I I am going to say it now. I think uh, it probably should start to be looked at in uh, for for a banned or suspended. Uh, either 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 one or the other. Either belittle or minimalism, or both as a package. I am either way. I'm fine with. Um, but I think we're running into plunder run territory of ubiquity in decks and homogenization of deck building in aggressive decks. It seems like um, two things are happening. Your deck either is is okay and you can uh, it works with belittle because of the nature of your cards in which case it is almost always correct to add belittle with uh minimalism's seasoned to flavor um but it i believe that it we're getting to a point where if your deck does not work with belittle you are almost obligated uh obligated to change your deck so that it does as opposed to just excluding a little out of your deck and i think that's where we run into uh we run into the the i think bannable part of of the card right now i see what you're saying uh i don't personally know if i feel that it's to that degree but it's will, it's certainly finding worry, its way but... it's finding its way into a lot of deck building right now you're you're right um it, like i mean it's in it's in the the file list i'm playing around with with right now like mine mine as well unfortunately um but it is i think the only i've only been able to hold out on it in katsu uh just the way uh my particular version of Katsu doesn't really have a ton of room for it, and I am happier uh, for that. Um, but until you it face is... the sad 
Right, you come yeah. to the sad realization that you're just better off with it in that list too. Yep. Uh there is uh the uprising considerations do include uh belittles uh and into the list. In which case, what are you doing? You're changing your deck around so that the belittles work a little more. And um it is you know, it is it's early, but I even now I'm hearing it in Dromai. Uh, and you know, it's one of those things that kind of just it, in, in these draconic decks, it, it just kind of makes sense to have a red card that you can play to start off your combat chain <clears throat> or your turn. And it can fetch either a resource or another red card that you can do with, as you see fit, whether that's, you know, uh, throw in as a non-attack, you can arsenal a red one to set up for later. You can get the blue one to pitch the for the resources that you didn't have. Um, it's a you know it's great. Uh, one uh, pay one uh, for what either essentially uh, six go again or you know three and three resources. You know there's a the the fact that it takes the card and puts it into your hand like that uh, is is a supremely powerful ability. Uh, you know, it broke commoner. It's still great in in Briar to be able to fetch the non-attack, and all of a sudden you didn't have. You know, you might not have had the embodiment of lightning access, and then you can just fetch it and make it so, and continue your chain into, or you know, continue your turn into crazy broken Briar stuff that is made better with with the addition of the cards. Um. I don't know what it is that I don't like about it so much. Like I was sad to see Plunder Run leave, but I understood that Plunder Run was like in that same boat of ubiquity where you basically needed Plunder Run in there for aggro decks to succeed. But I guess you didn't have to warp your deck around Plunder Run. You just had to include it. You know? But Belittle, Belittle is such a Belittle has the restriction where you have to you have to have those three powers in there. If you have a bunch of four powers, right, you're not you're not getting the you're not pay you're not getting the belittle payoff. And so, right, it used to be that you just take it out. Like, all right, I don't have enough three attacks in there to make this worth it. I'll just put a bunch of other cards that I want in there. No, now you could be running your, you know, you're running your ninja deck, you're running your dragon centric deck. But you got to throw in that little generic tiny guy with an axe in there, no matter what your theme is. So, you know, I I am early in it, but I do think uh, if we hit, you know, there's going to be this road to national season. And I think if we're going into Pro Tour, uh, Lil, and we see that. Right, we see the numbers reflect, right? If if belittle minnowism is in, you know, eighty percent of the decks that were eligible to play it, and it made sense too, and the top eight of Pro Tour Lil has, you know, six of eight decks that run belittle minnowism, I think you'll see something after Pro Tour at the next band and suspended list. Yeah, you certainly could be right. Um like I said, I don't know if we're there yet, but if if it keeps up, uh, we certainly could be getting there. Yep, yep. So, um, I do. I know I, I'm a little harsh on it. I do for some reason. Like I, said, I, I like the, I like the flavor of flesh and blood, and I feel I feel like putting it into cards uh, into decks that 
aren't thematically appropriate you know and i know that there are some cards that are you know it's okay in but i th- i think Phi was what really did it for me it's like oh, i want fire dragon attack things and then this guy shows up and it's like yeah i'm you know i'm i'm better than any other card you might throw in here so just just put me in here and we'll worry about the draconic attacks later you're better off for for me having been in here anyways uh, all right, I guess. Just wait till it finds its way into Icelander. <laughs> you know, you know. Uh, it does love uh, blue pitch. <laughs> Non-attack actions, you know. <laughs> Wouldn't that just be? He's like, you know what? You know what's really an optimal play in Icelander? Uh, instant speed minimalism on your opponent's turn. That is really. It's some spicy stuff. Um, okay, all right. Uh, so, yeah, uh, belittle is terrible and ruining the game. Needs to needs to go on the ban list. Uh, now, to our main topic of the day, it's mailbag. Episode twenty is a big, nice round number, and to celebrate, we. Uh, Posted to the audience uh, the the old ask me anything uh, questions and we got a solid handful of questions so uh, we're gonna spend some time in answering uh, audience questions so are you ready to answer some mailbag questions let's do it let's dive into the mailbag all right let me just open the physical mailbag that I have take my hand into the bag and pull out the first handwritten letter question that was mailed to me. Uh, and this one comes via Tommy Fresh, host of the Fresh and Buds podcast, a good friend of the channel, and, uh, you know, uh, close personal friends to, uh, to you and I. And a recent guest of the pod here uh, himself. That's right. He was part of our, uh, we talked some limited uh, going into Uprising. That's right. Uh, and clearly, other friend of the pod, Capolo, listened to that podcast. And you are welcome, Mr. Capolo, for the advice ahead of time. Uh, so, Tommy asks... What is the best three resource play in the game? Or the most bang for your blue cheese? I mean, my mind right away goes back to the Ira days. Uh, Ira was the king of the two card hand, you know, being able to go Kadachi, Kadachi, attack in threat and you know 10 damage off of a two card hand in blitz that that was a pretty good um that was i mean that was incredible resource off of one or incredible resourcefulness off of a blue um i'm also a, f- a fan of the ninja three resource uh, uh plays i can get uh you know, one of the fun things about the Welcome to Wraith Ninja combos is that they all cost a total of three. Mm, yes, they all cost a total of three. So if you have the cards and means to do so, you can pitch a blue and 
you can Surging Strike for two, Whelming for zero, McGenchi for one, and Lord of Wind for zero plus. You can Leg Tap for one, Rising Knee Thrust, uh, Hurricane Technique, bring it back to your hand, and Hurricane Technique for three. And just to round it off, you can uh, Head Jab, open the center for two, and Pounding Gale for one. Uh, so all of those are are fun, but of course none of them hold a bag to playing Channel Mount Heroic and winning the game. All right, <laughs> three resources. You put the damn aura on the on the board. You attack for a million. You call it a day. You, Endless Maw has nothing on it, Tommy. It's a bad, bad blue resource plays Endless Maw. Uh, so. That one, that one is for you, Tommy. Uh, we are going to now look at, oh, in my excitement to research uh, Hayden's list, I'm going to backtrack here a little bit. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Clark Jansen asks, will Young Chain with Seeds of Agony and Husk be viable in CC if people aren't prepared for it? And will people rage quit because of it? <laughs> this is a good question honestly uh yeah. i know i saw yuki make a a twitter post about this recently uh, i think she was on young chain with seeds like this is didn't you do the math isn't it like 33 health or something like that uh, start, with, start with 33 you do uh skull cap starts turned on you have carry on husk so you're starting on uh you know two six uh grasp is another two you know bull, uh, skull cap and uh grasp totaling three each so you have 12 and then 13 is uh if you're running creepers which you should be uh at that point so <clears throat> you're starting at 20 you have 13 uh armor total uh, you're at 33 life and you can run seeds of agony uh, I am told that mainboarding red seeds of agony is bad. Apparently, red seeds is is just bad. You want uh, six seeds mainboard, the yellow and the blue, and then you side in the red against fatigue. Is is what I've I have been told. Uh, you know, interesting. I it, I have not. I ha I have put a list together. Uh, I have not tested it yet. I am interested in it, but I'm also an amateur chain player. Um, so you see a bunch of non-chain players going, hmm, maybe, and really buying themselves into the idea that Young Chain is a viable CC contender. But you know what you don't see are chain players playing Young Chain. They have moved on, and... That should tell me something. If the, if if nothing else, the chain players are not going to Young Chain. They are going elsewhere. For the most part, they're I believe Briar, but some people are exploring uh, other things. But uh, if those chain players were, if those chain players were were reverting to Young Chain in, in order to exploit seeds, then I think. It was really, you know, there's to be some solid ground to stand on. That being said, 
I, I don't put it past someone to, well, I will say someone will qualify for nationals piloting Young Chain. How about that? <laughs> You're probably right, honestly. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I was just thinking, like, Young Chain is going to do something impressive. Yeah. Like, just, just enough. Okay. Uh, that is Clark's question. Um, and next up, we have Andy Modell. Uh, he asks, thoughts on the new rules about arranged concessions for an invite counting as bribery? What will need to be done in RTN season? Uh, Andy brings up a very good question, and we're actually going to pull up the article in that, that he's talking about. It is Back Alley Oracle number 7, Penalty and Procedure Guide. And all the way down on the bottom, <clears throat> we have conspiring to have a player win a tournament to gain a Nationals or Pro Tour invite is considered bribery. Finally, just a reminder that conspiring to have a player win a tournament through organized concessions is considered bribery. After some review, we found that a number of top eight cuts at tier two tournaments were simply not being played out and that the eight players were conceding to ensure that one specific player received the professional tournament invite and everyone gets an equal cut of the cash prize or cash from the selling of the prize. This is antithetical to our philosophy of players playing great games. We are looking into providing additional positive solutions to address specific situations where this is more likely to occur, similar to how we, we allow players to transfer PTIs. But in the meantime, players should keep in mind that using incentives to determine the outcome of a match or a series of matches is considered bribery and will result in disqualification. Uh, I believe this is interesting on two fronts. Um, one, I have never heard of a a tournament ending in a series of concessions. Uh, so maybe that is just my inexperience at the at the at a competitive level. Um, but I I have not had a chance to experience something like that, nor. Have I heard anybody discuss anything like that? So I'm very interested in the scenarios that are being um, uh, seen here that would represent uh, something to the scale in which they're talking about here. I have heard of some concessions happening before, um, like an entire string of concessions happening. I haven't seen it firsthand, but... That's not to say it's not happening. Uh, I mean, if something's gotten back to LSS about this, certainly it, it must have happened or mm-hmm. happened on multiple occasions, possibly. Um, I mean, the the world's a big place. Uh, Flesh and Blood's a fairly small community, but it's becoming less and less the case. So it is possible that something like this happened and it hasn't made it back to our corner of the world. I don't know if maybe that's in like the, you know, the Asiatic market or um, mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, who knows? Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, and not saying that it's not happening. Obviously they have, you know, they have enough, at least anecdotal evidence. And I'm sure that there is some confirmation of such or else they wouldn't make an official policy of it um but 
it is also interesting because it does bring up a very good good point, right? That we've seen a lot of concessions on an individual scale, right? We know that it's now it's okay. At one point, it was not okay to just say, "All right, bud, you win. I I just scoop." Right? That that was grounds for a disqualification uh, at one point. So and now we can just. Give up, right? If the game is unwinnable, you do not have to play it out. You can concede at any time without penalty. Great. We know that ProQuests and ProQuest winning got a little convoluted because of the the talent and skill level of some players to be able to consistently arrive at the final table uh, and then do with it what they will right they can choose to they they can uh you know the game ends without being played and the player with the pti already or the you know the pro tour uh lil invite already happened to not get it this time they get the coat the gold foil in their hands and the other player has the pro tour uh invite that happens a lot Right. You can have a player who consistently wins and grabbing, you know, wants the gold foils and doesn't necessarily need the PT, uh, the PT out of that. Right. Um, You know, it this also came up with the initial. uh, Policy to transfer PTIs. Right. What what do people do when you log jam that many things? How how can you have so many of the good thing that you'll never be able to? you know, utilize that effectively. How can you make it beneficial for these people? Uh, you know, how can you incentivize these people to compete continually through and and basically collect these these things? And also, you know, is it healthy for this to happen uh, in the first place to kind of bottleneck a certain group of players into the ones that are not gatekeeping, but you know, as a natural consequence of what they're doing, it does kind of, you know, put a ceiling on some players' access to these same events. I mean, the selling one, I've always been a little on the fence about. It's mm-hmm. um, being able to sell a, a, a PT. I, I get it, like, the bottleneck happens, and maybe you need to, like, incentivize people to keep competing. But... You know the the selling and buying of PTIs, I think, is is a is just questionable. Um, yeah. So you know, it does it opens up a lot of questions, right? And there's not a lot of solutions there. But on its face, this is all right. It's a solid policy, right? I, I if if an entire if eight people are deliberately not playing the game in order to manipulate the outcome to someone's favor, that's now we're talking about integrity of games at that point, right? It's why you don't players can't gamble on uh, football, right? Football, baseball, sports, right? Sports gambling, uh, sports players gambling on their own teams or own sports is one of the biggest taboo things you can do in sports you know look at pete rose pete rose was banned from baseball for decades because he was suspected of gambling on his on his own team decades later he did in fact confess to doing that but 
um, you know, he was a pariah because he broke that big taboo. So, you know, is is this to that scale? Mm, you know, maybe not at the moment because of the size of the game. But what we're talking about then is integrity of the game. <clears throat> um, you know, at some point, if if those players signed up without the intention of playing you know you got to start questioning their motivations in the first place right and you know the answer isn't necessarily you know win your pti and then not play flesh and blood for a couple months so you know there's going to be a happy medium uh, somewhere there but i do believe if you if you sign up to one of these tournaments uh i got to imagine that you're going to try you, you know signing up with the intention of playing right playing the game and seeing it through otherwise you're you're not doing it for the right reasons right you're not playing you're not playing the game you're doing yeah, something else that's not not that, that. yeah right so you know and to that end i support any and all policies that maintain the integrity of the game so like i said i haven't seen this kind of thing happening um but if it is I, they're right to stop it um you know, I I do think that uh, it is still, you know, you see a lot of this in Magic too, right? Like uh, draws and concessions to top eight, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's a natural part of the game and just because of how you build win losses and seeding and things of that nature. Like I, I'm not going to fault someone for, you know, either asking for a draw or concession to get into uh in the top eight even though i think that does you know there's there's some ethical things involved in, in that uh anyways but you're not um you know you're not necessarily affecting the integrity of the game at that point and you know maybe i'm mercury my own waters a little bit but that's 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 how i feel about that um a bad when bad when a dozen people do it at once uh okay if you're trying to get into the top eight uh by yourself yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't think. Have you ever then. taken a concession, or have you have you ever been in a situation where it's like a winning in against somebody who doesn't have a chance? Have you have you asked the the forbidden question? God, no, no, I could never okay. ask that. All right, is it? So I've never, I've, I, 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 don't, I haven't played enough high level games here. I, is it so it's not it's not allowed right you not on it like you can't just walk up to the judge and be like i asked him for a concession and he said yes so i'm in the top eight and he's going home like, you can't you can't do that right well sometimes it's just like i think some people just sign the match slip and hand it in without right really right right the guy without a chance the the person without a chance might be like hey you know what I'm not going to be the one who ruins your fun here. Take, you know, take, take the, take the W enjoy the rest of your tournament. But the person with a shot can't persuade the other person to make that decision. Correct. I think. Okay. I think so. As murky, it is, it is definitely murky waters. Um, I take back it being okay. Just play your goddamn games. And <laughs> yeah, 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 and just see it through. That way, you know, you you eliminate the possibility of uh, of bad things happening by just doing it right in the first place. 
All right. Thanks, Andy, for the question. Next up, we have Thomas. Uh, he asks, which hero do you think will have a surprising rise to meta contention in the next CC season? I mean, typically the trend is something aggro to begin with. So we're probably looking at like Fi, Katsu, Viserai, um, something to that nature. And then as aggro, like as the aggro develops and gets stronger, then we start to look at counter strategies. And then that's when something like Lexi ice control can take over and, or or maybe in this case, Icelander or something like that. Uh Um, for me, I mean, I think Phi to begin with is going to be the the hot hero, and the one everybody's going to be on. Uh, I think it just makes sense to start there, uh, and I think that's where a lot of people are going to start. So I think the first few RTNs now that uh, Uprising is legal everywhere. Um, the first few RTNs, I think we're going to see a lot of Fi. Um, mm-hmm. And then after that, it's going to be the counter swing. And it, it's when the, that's where I'm not certain is when the pendulum swings the other way, what the counter strategy is. Uh, I think looking to ice is where I'm starting. Mm-hmm. Is Icelander good enough to rise to the top? It's really hard to say. It's really mm-hmm. hard to mm-hmm. say. Um, gosh, like, and I think the meta is going to be so rock paper scissors to begin with. Um, I agree, and I think that's going to play a, a huge factor in in which hero rise to the will rise to the top, which one will have the just the the least poor matches. Um, mm-hmm. Will it be an aggro strategy? Will it be a control strategy? Will it be a mid-range strategy? Oh. Mm-hmm. Predicting, like for me, predicting beyond that is so hard. And I know that just beats around the point and people want a hot take answer. I oh, I, I, I have such a hard time doing the hot take answer. I'll do it. Okay, what do you Dorinthia. got, Dorinthia. Dorinthia. Yep, Dorinthia. Uh, Dorinthia needs to solve Prism. But once it solves Prism, and it may not solve Prism, but uh, I think Dorinthia is better into... Uh, I think I'll say this. Dorinthia is probably one of the best aggro decks out there right now. Uh, and it has a good to great matchup into most heroes. It can handle Frostbites well. It is, even right now, I think it has an okay matchup into Oldham in the way that Kasai can have a good matchup into Oldham. Uh, just the nature of being able to attack multiple times when done correctly, uh, I think it just lends itself to difficult positions for Oldham to be in. Um. So I do think some work still needs to be done on, you know, when you when you play into into that. But um, 
I'm interested to see if there is in fact. So right now, Prism is you know Prism is real, real, real tough uh, for Dory to get through. So um, I would be interested to see if there is some tweaks to the main Dorinthia list that makes it uh, a little more viable. And if you can shore up the Prism matchup while Prism is still around, then I think um, it is poised to really take off into the stratosphere here. And um, on top of that, if Prism, I, th- I think Prism's going to hold on to the top top tier spot right now and i do think it's in danger of hitting ll before the next band is suspended list after pro tour um and if it does and it hits ll look for dorinthia to be one of the highest and quickest risers uh in the meta at that point but yeah so that i mean i it's good it's a good blocker it's it's super aggressive it has a great matchup in you know it handles itself well into a lot of the meta uh just the way that it's built um and it still can play into things like uh like Kano Icelander uh you know Guardians it's it still holds its own into those matchups so i think i think it i think it checks all those boxes that you were just mentioning um and i just don't think it gets enough i th- i think people think the weapon is is eh and you know it does it does a thing and it's one trick pony and it's pretty predictable uh, i think listening steel blade changed the conversation a little bit uh the classic battles added a little more than people might have anticipated to the decks uh now and it's a great deck it's a great deck to run so that's my that's my uh my dark horse there and also katsu um so <laughs> next <laughs> um We'll save, uh, there's one question we'll save for the end. Um, next, we have Capolo, Andrea uh, Biaggi, asking, do you think that the popularity of people playing the new hero Icelander will make people pack more arcane barrier and make Kano less viable? Um... Well, Kano's viability isn't based on how much. That's the thing. That that's a big misconception. Uh-huh. Is yep. It, I know it, exactly where you're going, and I agree 100. percent Um, like so much of Kano's viability comes down to the pilot and the pilot's ability to, uh, bait his opponent's cards out of their hand and their you know leaving their opponent caught with their pants down. So. I don't think that is going to be what's going to dictate whether Kano is viable. With that being said, I don't think this is a good time for Kano. Um, I think especially like a Kano heavy meta just gives rise to heroes like, uh, you know, Dromite can deal so well with arcane damage. Um, and Kano, even more so than than Icelander, struggles to actually deal with the dragons. Uh, a lot of the Kano uh, and, and Wizard generic um, cla- cards from pre uh, pre uprising don't target allies; they only target heroes. So 
yeah, they, within that, there are a lot of things that aren't going in Kano's favor right now. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't think Kano, it, it, I don't think it comes down to, to AB for Kano. I think it, it just comes down to the, the meta is not right for Kano right now. Kano is still, Kano is always scary if you're not ready for it. I am likely packing AB3 at least, no matter what, uh, for at least a little bit. Uh, And, you know, that might, obviously that's hero dependent, but if my hero can support it, I think for now I am going to keep it, keep it in there. because at the end of the day, if I see Kano and I have, I can't, I, if I can't stop it, it's just inevitability at that point, right? It's a, it's a combo deck with inevitability that you're trying to race. And depending on your deck, you may not actually be able to race effectively. Like if you are, uh, you know what, like uh, Dorinthia, right? Dorinthia with Arcane Barrier can handle Kano, but you need to have it there. If you don't, I don't think you can race fast enough on your own to effectively eliminate Kano. Uh, you have to then rely on on Kano's variants to fail it uh, at that point. Um, so it's just that's just like a tough spot to be in. So there are you know so it's meta specific, right? If you're if your meta call if your meta is going to be Kano heavy anyways, then you know you definitely got to be. Pe- be prepared for it uh but they do definitely prepare uh prey on the unprepared uh icelander is another is another beast altogether i do think ab3 is appropriate for icelander and i think a minimum of two is required so if you can't fit the third in there then you know so be it but um icelander is coming from a different direction and it uh, AB3 helps a lot in that matchup uh, to, when it matters. And that, at the end of the day, right, that's the key to these wizards. It's not so much having the amount, it's about when it's being used and how much you have when the time comes for you to really need to, uh, you know, pitch to save your, save your game, right? And uh, AB3 is probably the best, you know, it's the best number to have in a situation where your game depends on having the ability to block arcane damage. Yeah, and beyond that, if your game plan doesn't involve having the resources to use AB, like we've said in the past, you want to be on Spell Void at that point. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, Spell Void equipment is your friend. Monarch Precons, get them, or at least get the cards out of them. Uh, they are very, very good. All right. Uh, next question is by Hollow. Hollow asks, if you use Imposing Visage to tutor up Fog Down, does Imposing Visage lose go again? Or does Imposing Visage completely resolve with its go again, then Fog Down takes effect? To that, I went to the release notes for Uprising. Uh, and 
if you go to the release notes and see fog down, um, it describes three bullet points. So we're just going to read those at the beginning of your action phase, destroy fog down fog down affects all heroes, not just opposing heroes. So that includes yourself. If fog down gained go again, it would lose go again from its own effect. Fog down retroactively affects non-attack action cards that already have gained go again. Uh, though now that I'm reading that out loud, does that necessarily? What if they inherently had go again? Yes, they still lose it. Yeah, right. I think that they, if they gain, if they had the go again, this this spells out that they would in fact lose the go again they once had. Yeah, so the I I think yeah I'm pretty sure the answer to this is the imposing visage would lose the go again. Hmm. Uh, very good card in in Guardian. Uh, especially lately, it's real it's real good. Imposing visage, visage, visage. I like that. Um. But uh, yeah, Hollow. I think that's uh, pretty straightforward. Uh, I am not a level anything judge. But uh, based on the reading of the release notes there, I think it's safe to say that Imposing Visage would lose its go again from getting fogged down. So make sure you really want it. Yeah, you really got to be yeah confident that you're shutting down your opponent's mm-hmm. uh, game plan with it. Absolutely. And last but not least, Alex Enslow asks... What are the best hot dog toppings? Ooh, mm. hot dogs. Are you a hot dog? Are you a hot dog or hamburger guy? I am both. Ooh, excellent. An omnivore. I can appreciate that. It really just what depends on my mood. Yeah, do you have... Okay, so top five, top three. What do you got? What do you, what, what's what's in the usual rotation of hot dog toppings for? Um, are we including condiments? What else would be would be including? I suppose entrees on top of it. We can get crazy. You know what? I mean, because no, like ketchup, whatever you want to put on it. Wait till and... you hear my answer. <laughs> <laughs> ketchup and mustard are like the obvious contenders. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. like that's I find the the pretty standard I'm getting a, a hot dog at the ball game and there's only really I mean if there's onions available I'll toss the onions on there um, uh-huh. maybe sauerkraut if I'm feeling spicy but then when I can really get crazy with it I like to slap like shredded cheese on there and jalapenos uh-huh. and uh-huh. Uh, barbecue sauce, hot sauce, uh, sriracha, things like that. Oh boy. How do you feel? (laughs) Alex might have an aneurysm listening to the answer to this question. How do you feel about relish? No. Oh God. All right. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Um, yeah, I can't do relish. I also can't. I'm not a. I'm not a relish guy. Can't do it. Can't do it at all. Uh, I went through a brief phase as a kid where I liked relish, and then I smartened up. Yeah, it's just it's terrible. It's terrible. I pickles. Pickles are one acceptable flavor for me, and when you try to make something like relish out of them, you change it. It is dill pickle only, and any other form of 
that what, vegetable fruit whatever it is that item in which you consume uh yeah, i can i can go without uh dill dill pickles straight from the jar that's 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 where i'm home but uh i do not put a full pickle on top of a hot dog um for for the best hot dog topping over this way uh i have to regale everyone with a with a little story i know this is shocking that i don't just have a straight one word answer uh but i do live uh i live in massachusetts on the water it is a, a tourist town here in plymouth and uh massachusetts and plymouth in particular are famous for a few things uh seafood in particular so uh, we do have the usual trappings of a tourist town. Uh, I live close enough where I can just kind of walk down, which is nice. Uh, but there is a restaurant there called Pebbles. Pebbles is kind of like a walk-up, quick service, you know, quick takeout, but they make everything. You know, they got the griddle out back. If you ask for a hamburger, they call it out. They, you know, they throw it right on in front of you. You watch them cook it. You know, it comes out in five minutes, perfectly cooked, a little greasy, a little, uh, you know, it's it's good as fries hot dogs, things of that nature. So uh, one day a long time ago, I went down uh, to Pebbles and I ordered uh, I ordered a hot dog and it came in one of those nice toasted buns with the butter, you know, buttered toasted bun with a, with a big hot dog in there. And I got a cup of clam chowder uh, to go with it because New England and uh, Massachusetts in particular are famous for their New England clam chowder. So I get my bowl of clam chowder and I get my couple hot dogs and I sit down and I go, why the hell not? And I take the hot dog and I dip it into the clam chowder. Oh. And let me tell you what, it is the best thing you can put on a hot dog. Clam chowder. You put some of that cream, some of that clam on there, you throw it right on top, or you do what I did, and you get a bowl of New England clam chowder, and you make it as like a little dipping sauce, and you just put that in there, and you go to town, and you will not regret it. I promise you that. It has to be New England clam chowder. Do not do Manhattan. It's tomato-based. We want a cream-based chowder here. Um, you, but, have you, you tried know, both? Have you tried both chowders? Are you? I I have not. I am I am uh, I am a I'm a one chowder kind of guy, and it is it is cream. It is the New England clam chowder. There is a place. There's a place uh, that has it that sells it. That it is so thick that like it's not even a soup anymore. It's it's almost like a dough. <laughs> it is Ooh. so it's so it's so good they they put it into a bread bowl and they put it they put a little divot in the middle and they they put a little cube of butter that just melts right there and it's <laughs> it's got like the consistency not do, you know it's got like a thick mashed potato consistency to it but it's so it's okay. so freaking good so freaking good um but yeah so i i have dubbed that type of hot dog the new englander so if you ever hear about the new englander hot dog it is because i trademarked it and started a food truck uh, and i just started pouring clam chowder on top of hot dogs so alex i am i'm so sorry that no one here actually likes relish he does and he's really looking for a positive relish uh answer out of here um sorry but you're not sorry, you're not man. getting 
you're not getting that here. I will say, <clears throat> because I, you know, hey, this is our platform. Uh, a second favorite hot dog topping. Um, it go, goes to my mother's homemade rebel chili. Uh, Ooh, is, chili dog. A, yeah. Yeah. Good chili dog. Uh, hers is uh, the rebel chili she makes is sans beans. No beans. I, I like that about her chili and uh, has potatoes because we're Irish and everything you make when you're Irish, it has to include some potato. Uh, in there so a lot a lot of seasoning a lot of love little diced up potatoes mixed in with the with the ground beef and i like to throw that on there uh on the hot dog as well and that really that really makes makes the heart happy in fact i think i might be having some of that chili uh tomorrow for fourth of july looking forward Ooh. to that yeah yeah that's that that excites me that's the stuff I I bring home. I pack up the whole. I hope she makes that big, like a huge pot of it, and I'm just gonna put it in a Tupperware container, and I'm gonna eat that for the rest of the week. Uh, so so looking looking forward to that. Uh, and that, uh, with the hot dog uh, question being answered, concludes the the mailbag section of episode twenty here at the Combat Chain. Episode 20 in the bag. Wow. In the mail I'm bag. Saying. Yes, in the in the mail bag indeed. Um yeah, I think that uh you know, I think that wraps her up in a neat little bow right there. Um things coming up here and uh in our plugs we have obviously uh Come support the podcast on our YouTube channel. You can find us at The Combat Chain on YouTube. Please like and subscribe. Click for the bell notification. Uh, we are uh, we're putting them out there. We're putting the videos out there. Uh, you know, give them give them a watch, comment, like, engage. Uh, we appreciate all that. Any little thing that you can do uh, while you watch these videos helps us uh, get to where we need to go to. Uh, we are, you know, constantly striving to get more subscribers, more views, you know, and, and we love all you. Uh, we love this community, this game and making this content. So, uh, you know, do us a favor and go to our YouTube channel and uh, and give us give us a listen, watch and subscribe. Uh, you can also help us uh, and support the channel by going to our Patreon at the link below uh, in the show notes here. Um, we have a single tier. Uh, support us by signing up for that tier, and uh, you, you know, we are Patreon. Uh, sign up for uh, our Patreon if uh, you choose to support us that way. It is a huge help uh, when you do that. You get a special role for our Discord, and uh, we are going to be releasing shortly uh, uh, in-depth deck guide. Uh, we will be releasing a condensed version on YouTube, but to get the full version, uh, you will go. You will be able to find that on our Patreon, and uh, our first deck guide will be Katsu. I am editing it as we speak, um, getting it ready for release here. Uh, it is a pre-uprising uh, Katsu list, so you know it'll it'll be some updating. Uh, happening towards towards the end uh, for a footnote here, but we will 
Uh, we go into everything from uh, the individual card selection. We go into uh, analysis of of equipment and matchups. Uh, we talk game lines. Uh, we talk about overall strategy. We talk about individual card strategy in game situations. Uh, try to cover as many bases as possible. And if you are interested in Katsu or new to Katsu or even experienced in Takatsu, and uh, just want to see somebody else's take on it. Uh, I, I, when that video is released, by all means, you know, take take a look at it. Uh, and again, that will be coming out uh, the condensed version on YouTube with the full video coming out on Patreon soon. Uh, you can find us on the social medias. We are on the Twitter birds. Uh, you can find the podcast at the Combat Chain. Uh, on Twitter, you can find myself at Pat Smash Good, and you can find Adam at Farm Toolery TCG. On top of everything else that's happening, uh, Brendan Patrick is is leading uh, the Fab Fitness Challenge for July, uh, and it is being headquartered from the Arsenal Pass Patreon Discord. Uh, but it is, uh, you know, it is a Fitness Challenge month in July, and uh, we are both participating. In that challenge this month, uh, we will be providing uh, periodic updates through the Combat Chain Twitter um, using the hashtag FabFitnessChallenge. Uh, when you you yourself can, uh, as a listener here, can also participate in the challenge. And uh, the only requirement is that you you get to it. Go out and do something uh, to help yourself in the month of July. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily about physical fitness. Um, anything I, I can say that, uh, I, you know, I posted some of my uh, my goals for the month uh, in the Discord and, and in other venues, so, you know, it's it's public information, but I, I'm a big guy, right? I'm 5'8". I am 285 on a good day. You know that's that's a you know that's a lot of that's a lot of twisted steel that comes with the sex appeal here. So you know I've I've been working on slimming down for a little bit. hasn't uh, you know I I have a history. It's a probably a long his story for another day. But uh, I did have a goal this year of getting down uh, a good chunk, and that's had a stop start kind of thing going on there. But um, you know I'm using the month of July to get a better relationship with food uh you know eating eating better not necessarily going into a hardcore diet but just getting you know a sustainable healthy relationship with food uh that's one of my main goals my other main goal here is to uh you know to keep up with my kid you know he's he's getting faster and stronger by the day and he is uh super elusive so i need to be able to outrun my four-year-old and uh uh we're we're coming too close to being even speed right now so we gotta we gotta nip that one in the bud um but uh using the hashtag fab fitness challenge uh, you'll see content creators and participants all over uh the community posting their updates uh, everything from what they've eaten, what they've done, uh, how their day went, the hard things, the good things, uh, things of that nature. And it really is just kind of a big accountability, uh, you know, community driven effort for 
for the month of July. And, uh, you know, we, we support it. So you'll be seeing that that hashtag uh, every once in a while and some updates on the progress as the month uh, goes on. All right. Uh, I think that that should do it for episode 20 of the Combat Chain. Until next week, we're closing the Combat Chain.